Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, welcome back. Today I'm going to be talking with Brian Kowalski. He was my crew member in crew number, oh, I think it was crew number six. And he was on the toughest leg of the entire summer. But before I get to that, I want to thank all of my sponsors on Patreon. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to Patreon backslash MedSailor. Also, if you'd like to support this podcast, buy some of my products. You can find them at MedSailor.com. And primarily, they are educational products to help you learn about sailing. It can't teach you sailing, but it can teach you terminology, techniques, maneuvers. These are audio courses designed to help you prepare for the ASA 101, the 103, or the 104, which would allow you to go and charter a boat by yourself if you receive that certification. That's from the American Sailing Association. Before we get into this episode, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second-generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite Ultrafeed sewing machine. The Ultrafeed is a portable, heavy-duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your maritime sewing projects from sails to covers. At Sailrite, you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project, including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at Sailrite.com. That's S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E.com. You know, I used my Sailrite machine the other day. I needed to make some straps for gluing up some square newel posts on uh, for the ranch, for the addition on the ranch. I have 10 newel posts that I have to build, and they're being built out of quarter sawn red oak. And basically, I had to make squares, so I had to cut 45-degree angles on the edges and join them lengthwise. So these are basically sl- s- cylinders that I will put over the 4x4 posts we already have established to finish off the stair railing. Well, to glue up a square box with 45-degree angles, there's no easy way to do it. But I decided the best way to do this was to have flexible straps. So I went down to Harbor Freight, bought some of the straps that they use to strap things on your uh, rooftop. These are orange straps. And basically cut off the little um, the metal pieces on each end and just made it continuous wrap. So this was heavy-duty nylon. I sewed these together, and they worked like a charm. So it was great to have my Sailrite machine there. So there's a testimonial from me for Sailrite. I love that machine. If you enjoy the podcast, please go into iTunes and give us a positive review. Write a note if you would. I'd really appreciate it. All right, with that out of the way, let's get on to my interview with Brian. I'm on Skype with Brian Kowalski. Brian, we haven't even talked since you got off the boat, I don't think, have we? 
I don't think so. I think we messaged a little bit, but it's nice to chat with you. It's nice to hear your voice. Good to see you and talk to you again. So I've got, I've got, uh, <laughs> I've got my uh, Google Earth open, and uh, you and Natalie, you guys uh, joined me. I was looking for crew, and you wrote me an email and said, "Hey, Franz, I wouldn't mind joining you, and and if possible, I'd like to bring my wife." with me and I said fine that's no problem from my perspective and you joined me in Corfu mm -hmm. that first day we sailed well basically we spent a day clearing customs and then getting on the boat and sailing to the island of I think I'll, this is Aracusa is that how you would pronounce that do you remember that yeah I think it was Aracusa yeah that was the first little island that we sailed to as we were sailing north west towards italy so when natalie when you and natalie joined me you had informed me that natalie was pregnant and was that going to be a problem on the boat and i checked with my wife who's a who's a newborn intensive care nurse uh, used to be a new, newborn intensive care nurse now she's head of her the neonatal unit at her hospital she said that shouldn't make any difference but on that first day it was it was a little rough. It wasn't too bad. It was a little cold and a little rough. And Natalie was getting a little bit seasick, and we had a pretty rough night. What's your recollection of that first day? Well, I I think that the in retrospect, looking you know, considering the beginning of the trip relative to the end of the trip, it was smooth sailing, very smooth sailing at the beginning of the trip. Um, I didn't have a sense of it being too hectic. I know that I think that we had also just gotten off of land. I hadn't been on a boat. Natalie had been on a boat the week before, but I hadn't been on a boat. So I was thinking that perhaps I just needed to get my sea legs. So I wasn't too concerned. And the prior trip that we, we went sailing um, a couple of months before that, we were sailing in the Bahamas, which was a sheet of glass. So we, I think my expectations were reasonable about it being a little more hectic. But Natalie was feeling the the movement, the motion of the ocean quite a bit. And um, perhaps she's more sensitive. I'm not sure. Well, we did, we did end up motoring into some waves. And so that, that was a little rough because we were motoring into the waves that were coming at us. And I don't think we sailed that day, did we? No, that's right. We were motoring into the waves. I, yeah, you're right. That was a little bit um, bumpy. I don't think we sailed. Yeah. You know, we haven't even gone over your background, so tell us, tell tell our audience a little bit about your background and where you live and and what your hobbies are. Okay, well, thanks, yeah, Franz. I I'm relatively new to sailing, but I've come from um, a long number of years or a long period of, of boating, but more inland waters, and I became more interested in sailing over the years and and. Prior to sailing with you, Franz, I, I got motivated and I took my ASA courses and I took 101, 103, 105, and I think one other one. So just to be as educated as I could be, um, my background is uh, I've been an entrepreneur for a number of years and I helped build a couple of businesses. And in 2015, we sold the second one, so I had a little bit of time off. And so my wife, Natalie, was piqued and intrigued by the sailing process as well. And we were taking the classes together, the ASA classes. And prior to meeting you, Franz, I was 
doing a whole bunch of investigation about how to go about chartering boats and the best chartering strategies and best sailing strategies for the Mediterranean. And you were kind enough to reply to emails, although I know I've learned subsequently that email is not your forte. You'd rather chat or do voice, uh, voice recorded audio messages. So um, in lieu of responding via email to some of my longer emails with multiple questions, you said, hey, why don't we just chat? And that's when we first chatted, and you were kind enough to provide a whole, a whole list of responses to my questions and and ultimately invite me and Natalie to join you sailing. So I thought that was very gracious and kind of you, and it was a, a nice way to properly uh, learn, um, a, you know, not just verbally hear explanations, but firsthand learning from somebody like you who's extremely experienced, and, and so I, and we appreciated it. Well, we had the, the ultimate adventure this summer, Brian. You had the worst leg of the entire trip, so we'll get into that in a, in a, <laughs> a minute. <laughs> we spent, uh, we, end, we got to Ericus, and the, we had planned on boogieing up to, uh, well, we, we, were, we were debating and debating and debating whether to go to Albania or whether to, whether to go to Italy. And the reason we chose Italy instead of Albania is just because of the uh, bureaucracy in checking in and checking out of ports. It would have been, uh, you know, as I look at the, the Google Earth in front of me, it would have been a lot easier to hop over to Vlora and work our way up the Albanian coast. But Albania makes it so difficult to check in and check out. That uh, that we ended up just going straight over to to Italy. But our first night we at Iracusa, we ended up anchoring out in a fairly exposed anchorage. And I don't know about you, but I didn't sleep very well that night, and it was it was pretty rolly. Do you re, do you remember that night? I do. I do remember that night sleeping in the quarter berth um, across from you, um, and I guess Natalie stayed in the. In the, in the front. bow, yeah, she was in the bow, bow. yeah. Eber, I guess. I do remember getting tossed around a little bit. Well, the next morning there was a little a little key that we could tie up to, but it was full when we got in there that night. So yeah. the next morning we saw somebody leave, and so we boogied over there and and took their spot. the The weather was not looking good for the next day to head to Italy, so we ended up spending uh, two nights on Aracusa. You took a long, I mean, you're a big runner. You're, you're a serious runner and a serious athlete. I know you're into kiteboarding, but I think you ran all over that little island, didn't you? Yeah, um, it, was, it was a gorgeous island. I was, you know, having been used to sailing around the Bahamas and dropping off, you know, stopping at the Keys or the Ks there, the little islands, the, this was, I know this was, um, unimpressive relative to a lot of the destinations in the Mediterranean, but I thought it was a lovely island. We met nice people. It was quite, it had quite a lot of topography too. And, and I remember walking around for the first time and feeling what I thought were ball bearings under my feet and then realizing that they were olive pits from the olive trees that were literally everywhere. I guess they're just so indigenous in that region. And, um, a great little hotel on the beach there that we had, a couple of meals at, which was, which was so nice. And 
talking to some of the locals and some of the people that were visiting, some of the Greek people that were visiting, um, having returned after many, many years from where they, you know, they're living in the United States and having returned to where they grew up and just getting a nice cultural experience. And as uh, Rick Steves, who publishes the travel books, always says, he says, the most important thing to do when you travel is to talk to the locals. And, and so I made a big point of doing that and, and, and actually finding a lot of people that spoke English, which was, which was nice. And jogging there was fun. Yeah, you made friends with everybody on the on the key. You uh, you talked to everybody, and and th- because you're so outgoing, I ended up meeting people as well. So that was that was a lot of fun. So I was trying to sign I was trying to sign people up to get on your podcast because there were so many interesting people. I mean, I guess we had to pare it down. So, um, but the people that we moored next to were quite interesting as well. And that was my first exposure to med mooring, which you did like a champion. Um, made it look easy getting into that little nook yeah sometimes you get lucky oh it's always an adventure i never know where my boat's going to end up backing into but we got in there so and and the wind was blowing against the stern so it made it a little easier so we were backing into the wind once we got in there that was nice and comfortable the next night we only spent one more night as i recall there was it two more nights i think it was night was it two nights it might have been two nights because i think it might have been and I remember, yeah, I remember we had nice running water there. That was nice. So anyway, the next day we had a long, long leg from uh, Aracusa up to Ortonto, and, and we had to adjust our route. We had to basically head north because according to the forecast, the wind was going to be shifting um, from, the, uh, from the northwest to more northerly. So if we, we headed more north in the expectation that when we turned the corner, when we came into Ortonto, we would be more on a, uh, on a broad reach and not on a tight beat. As it turned out, we, uh, we probably turned too soon because the winds did shift, and they built up quite, quite, uh, quite heavily, too. I mean, they were, they, were, they were blowing pretty hard by the end of the day. And let me see how long that was. Let's just do a measurement here. Because I'm looking at Google Earth, but as I recall, I mean, we got up at the crack of dawn at probably about five in the morning and left. As the crow flies, it was about about 55 nautical miles, which is a, is a full day on. In I figure 100 miles is the maximum you can do in about 24 hours. So we got up, we got uh, going, and we got into our Tonto a little bit before it got dark. And Natalie was not doing very good. She was. Uh, she was seasick and she was uncomfortable for pretty much the the whole trip and we we decided it was and it made sense at that point in time that she did not continue on the boat let's talk about what happened that night because not only did she have seasickness she got violently uh ill from either food poisoning or some sort of a virus that night yeah, so that's when we, we got to the mooring in Otranto. Is that correct? When we were moored next to that, that French boat right next to us? Right. We, we dropped an anchor really close to that an French boat. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and first of all, just for um, anybody listening, it's Otranto. Otranto. Okay. I... Otranto, yeah. O-T-R. And it, a lovely town um, in, in um, I guess, southeast Italy there. And so, we, yeah, we, we anchored, and um, Franz, in his usual style, found a great spot and, and just knows how to navigate very well in that area, having done it so many times. Um, I wouldn't have known to go to that spot 
And it was the lesser of the evils, you know, some protection. It wasn't great protection. And again, we were subjected, uh, subject to um, a lot of uh, wind and, and energy in the water, um, even though we were in a harbor on the edge of the harbor. Um, and Natalie, my wife, was sleeping in the V-berth. And I, I remember I put earplugs in at night and I just to sleep a little bit better. But I remember at, at about 2 in the morning, Natalie was somebody was tugging at the, my blanket, and so apparently, Natalie thought it. I guess she wanted my blanket, and I thought, I thought, hell, you know, I was warm enough, or it wasn't cold, and so she took my blanket. I thought she just wanted an extra blanket, and I had the earplugs in, and I didn't hear anything else, and so I just kind of went back to sleep. And apparently, she had gone out to the cockpit, um, out, you know, in the to get some fresh air, and Franz, I think you heard it. She was started getting sick and, and throwing up audibly. And I didn't know because I literally surgically implanted these ear plugs in my ear. Um, but she was apparently sick all night throwing up over the side of the boat. Um, and in the morning when we got up and found this out, she told us what happened and she didn't look very well. She was, you know, obviously very pale and, and probably depleted and dehydrated and tired from not sleeping all night. But she, um, she said that she explained the miserable night. I felt horrible. I guess, Franz, you might have heard it. Did you hear it, Franz? I, I heard her up in the cockpit, but I, like you, I was sleeping fairly soundly until that morning when I saw her up in the cockpit. And I thought, oh, no, this is terrible. Yeah, and so she was having such a bad time. She said that she looked at, shore, at the shore. She's a good swimmer. She was a swimmer in school, and, and she can swim like a, like a dolphin. But she said even she was so uncomfortable that she contemplated diving off the side of the boat at three or four in the morning and swimming to shore, which was, I don't know, a couple hundred yards or maybe a few hundred yards. Yeah. So that, that's how bad she was feeling. But I think she had, um, I think she had more than seasickness. I, I think she had, uh, almost a food poisoning too. Don't you think? I don't know. Um, you know, she's, I've been with her when she's had food poisoning before and it, it was much more, violent and um, lingering. This was as soon as she got on firm ground. I mean, I, I'm sure Franz had to do with the pregnancy and being just her body not being in a normal state and then throw, you know, throwing in a couple of days of rough water and maybe just being less comfortable in, in a marine environment. Um, but it, you could be right. But she was having a, a darn hard time. Well, when she got to shore, did she recover pretty quickly then? Yeah, she did. Okay, she did. Then. So there was no more sickness, or she just needed to kind of slept it off for a couple of hours, got her got her strength back. So we obviously, and you facilitated this. You took us to shore pretty quickly. We we went to shore that day and found a hotel. Um, uh, got her into the hotel, and we took showers, and she was fine after that. And but it it didn't. I don't think she got back on the boat after that. I think she stayed off. Was that correct, Franz? That's correct. We, you know, I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable, and she didn't want to be uncomfortable. I, and, and also her pregnancy was a concern to me. And so, no, you, uh, you guys, I wanted you to stay with her to make sure she was taken care of, but I took the boat from there and just did a day trip. Uh, it was a great sail, actually. It was one of the better sails of the summer on up to uh, Brindisi, and you two took the train and, and met me in Brindisi. Yeah, and then and then she caught a flight. I mean, she uh, she met us back in in Croatia, 
but she had to go a roundabout way of getting there. It was pretty difficult for her to make her her connections. I think she flew to Rome and then from Rome to to uh, Croatia, didn't she? Yeah. So I guess we we embarked from we stayed a night in Brindisi once you got there, and Natalie was feeling better. So thank you. You know, obviously you can single hand that boat with one hand tied behind your back, literally, which. Um, which is great. And so I took, I stayed with her that day and then we stayed an extra night in Brindisi. And I guess we had a couple of nice dinners and you joined us for those dinners, which was nice there. And another lovely Italian city, which, which you introduced to us. So thank you for that. Um, and then seeing it from, you know, a coastal point of view and seeing the coast of Italy was, was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so when we decided to go from Brindisi to, uh, and traverse kind of Northeast, uh, East Northeast across to, Croatia, she didn't want to get back on the boat. It was sort of having, you know, having had that bad experience with just not feeling well and, um, and being in open waters was probably a good decision for her, but she, yeah, she made her way. She navigated, she's very independent and, and capable. So she navigated her way over there. It was quite circuitous and, and time consuming. I mean, it was almost the same amount of time that it took us to get across in the boat, but it was a smart move on her behalf. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that passage because that was the uh, that ended up being a pretty darn rough passage, but it started out so delightfully. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we had looked. I'd looked at the weather charts, and it showed that we were going to basically have southerlies, so it would be uh, a pretty much a downwind run all the way up to Savtot. And uh, we left early in the morning. Actually, it wasn't that early in the morning because I wanted to arrive uh, sometime after about 8 o'clock. I wanted the light to be up when we arrived at Savtat. And I made this mistake uh, the first time I went from Brindisi up to Savtat was I left early in the morning and I arrived early in the morning at Savtat when it was still dark. So I did not want to arrive in the dark at Savtat uh, because there's some, some, some barriers to navigation around the little... The, the little town of Savtat, you it's better to go in when it's light. So we we left Brindisi and we had a great, great run for about I'd say it was probably about six or about six hours. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the, the full lapper out, the main sail up all the way and and then uh and then the wind started coming up and we we put a reef in the main. Uh, the wind came up some more. <laughs> we put another reef in the main and and took the lapper down and and then uh, and the winds are are coming from the uh, from from our quarter. They were off of our uh, our port quarter, as I recall. And then it just continued to deteriorate, and it it became one of the roughest passages I've ever ever been on in in the Mediterranean. And you were lucky enough to be there with me, Brian. It was, it was definitely, you know, I guess it, the equivalent is if you're a runner, you know, and you're just starting to run, do a marathon at night, and then, you know, after that, you'll feel perfectly confident for any 10K that you do in the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, the waves were big. The, uh, we ended up just going with the staysail alone. I even think we had some some rolls in the staysail as well. The winds were very strong, and uh, we arrived. I think we arrived at around eight in the morning, as I recall. It was it was still early morning, and we 
we uh, we got into Savtot and and went through the customs procedures and and wasn't it you that said they uh, they you found out they had actually closed the ferries going back and forth between Italy and Croatia that night that day that night? Yeah, they so they uh, when you were clearing customs, I was staying. I stayed at the boat and I was talking to the fellow that was helping at the at the dock area there, and he. He asked where we came from, and I was explaining that we came from Italy, and he's and he was flabbergasted. I thought maybe there was a communication, a language barrier, and and but I reiterated it and, and was very clear, and um and he he told me specifically that he is shocked that that we did that. He he said that the largest the largest of the um, ferries and the even the ones the ones that take major cargo and vehicles, everything was shut down. Um, because of the of the weather and and um, the it wasn't just a small craft advisory it was a substantial advisory not to traverse in, in those conditions and like you said we started out in this perfect tranquil bluebird day with a lovely breeze it wasn't excessively strong it was just a nice sailing day you made us a, a lunch and you, you're quite a craftsman in the kitchen there. We were having lunch. I think we even had a glass of wine or two, or beer. I can't. We were toasting. We were just having a nice time. It was just completely stress-free. It was like the perfect. And I was thinking, wow, Natalie's going to miss out on this on this amazing um, tour. And and little did I know. I guess it's a woman's intuition, and you and I didn't have that. But the but the <laughs> something um, uh, just the the amount of energy and the amount of uh, uh, wind and 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 you could just see it. It would just where the where the wind started picking up, and then the, then the water texture changed, and it was just this progressive change. I mean, it was almost out of the movies how quickly it changed to pretty severe conditions. But I must say, um, Franz, you I take my hat off to you. You you know you 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 know what to do in those situations. I mean, I'm a new sailor, and just being with you was was. It was a, a learning experience, and and it was sobering too for anybody who's new in the space, or you know, people that have perhaps just sailed in peaceful, um, easy, con- you know, soothing conditions, to to be in a situation like that, which could get dangerous. I mean, it it could be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing, and keeping your wits about you, and really, you know, proactively focusing on safety. And I I take my hat off. Franz, it's like the stuff that's written in the books that you really have to quickly access to, have access to and think about and be assertive about to to get through that. And and also just, you know, to the boat that you built. I know you built this boat, but and everybody's, you know, in port in the different ports we were in and the people that knew really knew sailing, they were um very quick to comment on the boat and and talking about how seaworthy that boat is. And we really tested the seaworthiness of that boat. You built a sturdy boat, Franz. Yeah, Brian, we, when when I put the boat up this year, and you didn't know this, but uh, I had actually sheared off one of my chain plate bolts. There's wow. uh, the, there's uh, the shrouds, the shroud that goes all the way to the top of the mast, the chain plate that holds that to the hull. There's four bolts there that hold it to the hull, and they're three-eighths inch stainless steel bolts. And we had such violent action that the top bolt 
on that uh, was on the port chain plate because that was the one that was uh, taking all the stress, literally sheared off. Wow. Um, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until I was looking at the boat. We put it up for the winter, and I said, oh, my God, we sheared off a chain plate bolt. It took us literally a day to fix it because it was so, it, you know, when you shear off something, it, and these were carriage bolts, it was mm-hmm. uh, it was really hard to get it out of there, but we were able to replace that, so I don't have to worry about that next year when I get back on the boat. But yeah, that's how rough it was. It was. The... Do you think it was blowing gale? It was blowing thirty to thirty-five. I'd say it was. Uh, I'd say it was more storm force than gale. I'd say it was even stronger than gale. Um, and, and you know, maybe you're right. It maybe I've only been thirty to thirty-five, but. But the the waves were so big; they were huge waves, and and it was hitting us on our quarter. So it was just back and forth motion of the uh, of the boat. It was pretty pretty uncomfortable. There's no question about it. It was uh, an uncomfortable sail at that point in time, and I was glad to get into soft tot. <laughs> it was it was a surreal experience for me, and I you know I I, I just. I figure, you know, staying calm, and I, I just listened to you. I stayed calm, and I, I ha- it was one of those, it was one of those weird situations when we got there. I noticed my, my forearms were sore because I could feel them. It's like you sort of hyperused your forearms. It's like really gripping the steering wheel if you're in a tense situation in a car. But it was literally, if you weren't holding on every minute of that when the boat was heaving and rolling, those seas were what ten to twelve foot seas, Franz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say they were. Yeah. 12-foot seas, and, and for some of your listeners, you may not know, and you're in a 28-foot a uh, monohull, and so it, those seas are, are hectic. But again, it's a, it's a nice testimonial to the, the, the hardiness of that boat and the sturdiness of that boat. But really, like, almost rolling down and having this weird feeling where you, you're, you're so uh, – you're a little bit disoriented because it's dark, but then you see the crests of the waves. But as you're almost, you know – um, rolling into them and away from them and the um, unruliness of it and the unpredictability of it in some in some cases. But we still had, I guess we still had a little bit of the storm sail out, uh, the stay sail out. So I, I can't remember, did we have the motor on at all during, I don't think we did, right? No, we sailed because there was no point in putting the motor on. Not till we we got fairly close to Sovtot and then we uh, right. we motored in the last maybe three or four miles, maybe five miles we motored in. Yeah. Very, uh, a very good reminder just to have for me, just for the, you know, the, have the greatest amount of respect for those elements out there and really plan ahead and really research and really be ready for anything. So the, you know, not just be able to sail on sunny days. And for me, that was the learning I took away from that. And obviously you have that skill set. So I gained a lot from the trip. Do you still have the desire to go sailing? I do. I just, I haven't, um, I've been invited. Um, I'm so grateful to have some friends with sailboats. So I, which are, which is apparently the best way to have a boat I've learned. <laughs> um, so you're one of them. Um, and I have a friend with a fantastic, um, he's got a, a leopard 44 and it's, I think it's a 2016. It's brand new. It's got all the bells and whistles on it. So it's like the, it's like the, um, Rodney danger field of boats. He's got, you know, every, it, it has, surround sound wherever you go and LEDs and all these amazing features and amenities. Um, and the kitchen is like a kitchen you'd have in your house. Um, and, or the galley, I should say. And 
so he invites us on such a regular basis and that it and we're spoiled so it, it almost precludes us from having to charter a boat and he and he, and he sort of gives us uh, gives us the helm and and takes naps uh, and then you know wakes up every once in a while to make sure we're not about to beach the thing um, but we've been pretty good about it and and so we're gaining and gaining momentum but I there will be you know we're still building building our sailing repertoire and, and we'll certainly go uh, charter our own boats and when I do charter and my wife who who has sailing experience as well I the one thing I have is I don't have a I may have arrogance in some areas of my life but I don't have arrogance when it comes to this and so um, to the extent I, I charter, I hope to have a co-captain with me who will come along, and maybe you'll come along. Maybe maybe Franz, you'll like to come along and, and try out a different boat and not and give your boat a rest and come to a different spot. So we'll we'll certainly do it down the road. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. You also have a design, didn't you? Weren't you thinking you wanted to do a uh, catamaran charter a catamaran, or is that you were was talking about a catamaran or somebody else? Um, well, we were, I was thinking of chartering a catamaran. I don't think I want to charter a cat in the med where, um, you know, certainly, uh, knowing what I know now and from your counsel on that in the, in the islands, I'd be happy to charter, charter a cat for sure. This friend that you go sailing with, is he from Utah? He is. He lives in, in Heber. That's what right? I thought. Yeah. He's the Heber city guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not a Mormon. Um, but he, he lives in Mormon country and, um, just has a business there. He's a very interesting guy, and and he leaves his boat in in different spots in the Bahamas. He does what you do. Good idea. But his domain. With all the damage that was done in the Caribbean, was his boat damaged, or was is his boat okay? His boat was his boat was was very lucky to be unscathed. Um, and actually, now that I after we sailed with you, and this is what we were talking about. After I sailed with you, we were talking about chartering a cat in the in the islands. And we had one chartered for um, St. Thomas for the, I think it was the first week in November of 2016. And that was right after the big hurricane hit. And the cat we were chartering, uh, one of the pontoons sunk. And so they sent us a picture of it. And this was a 44 Fontaine uh, Pajou. And that one of the pontoons was punctured and damaged so badly it was if you if you think about it listing with one of the pontoons completely submerged and the other you know in the angle of the boat with that pontoon almost completely submerged and the other pontoon keeping the boat afloat wow yeah so that that obviously postponed and indefinitely that trip so brian when you left me you were looking you were talking to one of your friends uh about acting as an advisor to an angel investment group. How did that work out? Uh, it's going well. I'm uh, participating with it. It's an accelerator uh, actually based in Boulder, Colorado. It's, it's called Techstars. And so I participate pretty actively with their Atlanta office, which is, um, which is quite interesting. And, and I might get involved a little more formally, and that's you know, still up for discussion. But I have, to, I have to quit my traveling habit or at least suppress it for that so all right well tell me what you've been up to since you got off the boat i know you've been all over the place yeah we um i guess one of the we took a very interesting trip to we went to portugal uh, after after your trip which we were so lucky to do and again my wife and i have this bucket list program going on right now before we have children even though franz 
you know, scratched his head and asked me how old I was when I said that to him once before. So I'm getting, I am getting pretty long in the tooth, but at least my wife isn't. So we can, we can, you know, still have a little time and I'll be an older father. But so before we have kids now, um, now that my wife lost the baby, we, um, we're delaying it a little bit more and taking some time off. So she quit her job under my duress. And so we went to Portugal, Spain, and Israel. We actually I had never been to Portugal, and we were looking to charter a boat in Portugal, but that um, we decided just to visit Portugal because there just weren't great uh, charter opportunities at that time of year, and the weather wasn't great. So we, we toured um, Lisbon, and we went down to the southern coast and the Algarve, and I actually have a friend. It's, like, it's nice to have friends. I've got a friend with a house on the water um, in southern Portugal, so we, we were fortunate enough to stay there. I'm encouraging him to buy a sailboat now too, so you know he'll be another good friend. Yeah, double- all your friends with boats—that's the best way to do it. The best, um, and and so we did that trip, and then I spent about ten days. I took my wife to Israel. My nephew actually fights in the military there. He, interestingly, interesting interesting story. He grew up uh, going to Catholic schools, and but just had a, a penchant for. The Middle East, and he learned. He became fluent in Hebrew, and um, at age 19, is still serving in the Israeli military. And and he's become. He was invited to become a sniper, um, to go through sniper training there. So he's just an exceptional kid. He's my sister's son, um, and uh, and just was great to go see him and experience that. And my wife Natalie and I toured around there. We went on the you know the Syrian border. We toured. Um, the big cities there, including Haifa, and met a ton of interesting people, and um, went to Natalie went to Bethlehem, and and just that was so that was a big trip, um, and then we haven't had anything that exotic uh, other than a few trips around the United States since then, um, but we are going to um, we're going to go snorkel and and dive the Great Barrier Reef in in northern Australia in May, and that's our. I think that's our next best trip. And then currently we are renting uh, an apartment and we found a great little spot in Jackson Hole, Wyoming or Jackson, Wyoming. And so we have that until May, until our trip to Australia. So life is good and we're grateful. All right, Brian. I really enjoyed having you as a crew member. I it was great to meet you. It's been great to uh, make you a friend and I really appreciate you sailing with me. You stuck with me in a tough, uh, in a very tough passage, and uh, I thought you did great. Well, if you're going in and out of Jackson Hole, Salt Lake's not that far. You got to come down for a weekend. Come down to Salt Lake, and I'll definitely give you a ring when we come down. We were supposed to be down sooner, but but Franz, thank you so much for being so gracious and generous with inviting and, and inviting us, and having not known us, and just you know, I guess just trusting your gut that we were, um, you know, some folks that you would have on your boat in close quarters and it was just great to get to know you it was a great experience and i'll never forget it and i look forward to doing it again and and obviously if i can help you with anything down the road please let me know and i'll let you know I'll, you'll be the first to know to uh, find out if i do end up buying a boat and you'll be my first guest <laughs> all right thanks brian thanks for joining me all the best franz thank you thanks brian talk bye. to you later bye-bye well, that was Brian, and Brian had a pretty rough passage. It was about 250 nautical miles the entire trip that he he joined me on from Corfu over to Italy and then up to uh, Croatia, Sovtok, Croatia. You know, I, I like taking strangers, people I don't know, sailing. 
because more than likely they become good friends. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, consider becoming a Patreon or patreon.com backslash medsailor, I think it is. And check out the website medsailor.com if you have any thoughts, suggestions, comments. Drop me a note, franz1 at medsailor.com. And get in there and write me a positive review in iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. <laughs>